Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. We are going through the seventh episode of my podcast called It's Just Personal. It's really fun to produce this content for you, and the longer I go, the more I find that I enjoy it, so I hope you guys do as well. Today's episode is called A Barber with a Purpose, and I truly do have one of those sitting next to me. Uh, My dear friend, Nathan Sprunger, thanks for coming on the show. Say hi to our audience. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me, sir. It's good to have you, man. It's um, I've known Nathan for gosh, like probably a decade plus. Um, yeah, just about. It's maybe even more than that because we kind of grew up in similar circles as kids, having been in the valley for the majority of our lives. Um, yeah, but you were one of those Christian school kids. I, oh, are we getting into that already? <laughs> Picking the scabs here, right here, out of that. Here we go. Uh, what he's talking about, which is great, <laughs> is that, uh, so I was homeschooled, for those of you who don't know, until seventh grade, and then I went to Christian school, and I married a homeschooler, and in the Flathead Valley, that's like not cool. That's like Hatfields and McCoys right Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Our tribals getting together. But that's kind of the connection that we have is I played basketball with your younger brother and then kind of just loosely knew you throughout the years. Yep. And we've connected randomly at times. Yep. At, I think uh, I knew your wife ones. like first because she played basketball with my little sister and I ended yeah. up being the big brother that drove them to every <laughs> blasted game around the state. Bless you. But <laughs> I learned a lot of Hannah Montana <laughs> lyrics. Yes. Teenage girls, man. That was the <laughs> thing back in the day. But now it's kind of cool because you work just down the street. Yeah. You're a barber here locally in Whitefish. Yep. Whitefish What's Barbershop. Whitefish Barbershop. Yep. yep. And we so happen to uh, commute to the Whitefish area at a similar time. So lately, our our uh, meetings have been slight hand waves uh, <laughs> and then as we who drive can, past who each Who can not get pulled over <laughs> can, yeah. on the way to work? While we're texting people. I mean, did I say that? Oh, man. No, no. FaceTiming. <laughs> I usually FaceTime face while I'm driving. FaceTiming. Well, I text so because I'm already working by the time <laughs> I get, get into my truck. But anyway, it's good to have you. Um, I kind of want to get into, I find that people really enjoy just hearing the stories of the people that I interview. Um, so kind of tell me a little bit about your background where you grew up, um, and then kind of just get into, bring us up to current with your history. So I was um, born in Great Falls, Montana, and uh, at a fairly young age, my parents, uh, my dad was in a seminary down there, and he and my mom felt like they should explore the possibility of being missionaries. And um, one thing led to another, um, and they felt called to go to the island country of Barbados in the West Indies, so Southern Caribbean. So I'm from Montana, but I've got island blood in me. And uh, even though I can't tan, worth a darn, I burn so easily. So, um, but yeah, we were down there for the better part of 10 years. The island of Barbados is 21 miles long by 14 miles wide. Okay. And if you compare to that to Flathead Lake, 22 miles long and 15 miles wide. Oh, my goodness. So if you adjust the landmass roughly, you could fit the island country of Barbados in Flathead Lake. That is fascinating. And for the longest time, I don't know if they still hold this brag, but they were bragging that they were the, the uh, most densely populated country in the world okay. with almost 300,000 people living on it. So um, huge need for just help and support. And the missionary that my parents were going to kind of go in and help with. They ended up bailing about a year before we had enough money because I think she had cancer okay. and they needed to come back stateside for her medical needs. So we got down there and I was four. So I have, I had like whisper memories of what Montana was. And, you know, I remember like great falls being windy. I remember grandparents. I remember like <laughs> snow being white, but I didn't know, I didn't really have a lot of those memories within me. So growing up, most of it was hot sun and hurricane seasons and, beaches and just kind of living that life. And then when we moved back stateside, huge culture shock. Mm -hmm. I was early teens. We got, um, my dad and mom felt like they'd finished what they needed to do down there and, um, transferred that over to another um, group. We hit, uh, Michigan. My dad took a assistant pastoral ship there that didn't really pan out, but we were kind of, um, marooned in Michigan for a minute because all our stuff hit New York Harbor the day before 9-11. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So 9-11 Harbor or um, New York Harbor shut down Yeah, and uh, we didn't get our stuff for months. And when we got it, it was just completely ransacked, completely destroyed. My mom's cool teak table that she loved and had we bought down there was just ruined. My great granddad's American flag was gone. And so, um, 
just like complete like shock in that way. And then short time later, it was like an opportunity to come back to Montana opened okay. up. And I think my parents were just like, we want to be back in Montana, which of course, who doesn't? And, uh, we moved back to Montana in 2002. So why, but did you come back to the Flathead Valley or yep. Great Falls first? So we had okay. a church in the Flathead Valley that had supported us as missionaries. So we'd been here like once or twice. So we, again, okay. just like kind of remembered it. I remember that the, the church had this creepy old basement and that the back of the church had this strip of woods. And my brother and I just were like, we loved anything army or whatever. We wanted to, we wanted to play in those woods. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to go there and we're going to live in the house right by those woods. And we were like, sign me up, let's yeah. go. And so we moved back to Montana and uh, ended up in the Flat Valley. Nice. So that's a great, that's, yeah. I didn't realize how much of your time was spent in Barbados. Cause if I relate it back, I probably kind of, sort of loosely ended up in your lives mm -hmm. you were in your families around that time and i didn't necessarily yeah. realize that you weren't already in the valley no at that only, time i think we'd only been back in the valley for a few years at that point okay yeah cool that's great so then all right so you're back in the valley early teens uh then you kind of start to build sort of a, a job presence if you will mm -hmm within the Flathead Valley. So mm -hmm. like I remember you being at Les Schwab for a while, right? Yeah. So take us through the work history. My first job, I mean, I had a couple like, you know, lawn care type things. First sure, job sure. I had that was actually getting a paycheck handed to me was for a, a painter in our church and he needed somebody to just sit at the shop and dip singer, <laughs> single uh, sh uh, cedar shingles oh, into, nice. into stain and then set it on a rack one at a time. <laughs> and he had a flatbed, a large flatbed just with bricks of these things. And I remember being very zealous as like a 15 year old, be like, I can get that done in a day. And he's like, if you can get that done in a day, I'll hand you a thousand dollars cash. And I was like, yeah. End of the day, eight hours later, I'd done like three or four bricks and that's it. How many bricks were there? Like 50. Oh my. <laughs> and I was <laughs> so like, oh, this is like, it was almost like a mini welcome to adulthood. <laughs> It's only going to get harder from here, but man. he was paying me a quarter <laughs> over minimum wage, which I think was six twenty five at the time. So nice. I was getting six fifty an hour. I was just like, Cha -ching. so did that for a while. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, 16, 17, I started working a Les Schwab tire. Nice. They needed a part-time kid to push brooms and roll tires Yes, and did that and inadvertently ended up working for the company for borderline 10 years. Yeah. You were there a while. Yeah. A little bit at the one store. And then, um, after a gap for some college, it didn't really pan out. Came back and worked through the other store for a while, and nice. It was a good job, backbreaking good job. But uh, <laughs> did that for a bit, and then um, when I finally hit the point, I was like, I think I want to move on because I'd hit top wage, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. if you want to go to management there, they require you to move. Okay, and I like was relocate, relocate. Okay. Like they don't promote in the store, or they didn't. They might have changed their policy. Sure. But, and I was like, no, I, I like it here. I want to yeah. stay here. And I, I met a girl, so I was like, I'm going to be here. And um. Took a job with a granite company, worked with granite countertops for a while, which nice. was its own experience. It was great knowledge, cool to, cool to do. But after about a year and a half of that, it was like, I just didn't see much of a future in it. Sure. And then uh, my wife at the time, um, she owned a PR business. Yeah. And she was like, I really need help. And I'm like, I don't know anything about PR. She's like, with Les Schwab, you learn how to deal with people and answer the phone. And I was like, I can do that, <laughs> I think. And so we worked together for a couple of years and I had multiple major contracts with the DOT. Nice. And so that took me all over the state. Mm -hmm. Learned a ton about like bridges and construction and roundabouts and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, kind of just hit a point where I was like, I, I saw a lot of people going to work. Um, I still see it a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sad. And you're like, what do you do? I do this. Fill in the blank. Do you like it? No. But I've been doing it for 15 years. Yeah. And I was like, I was feeling that in my soul. I'm like... Everyone I know, I know a lot of people either hate their jobs or they love their jobs. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this point where I'm like about to precipice into I hate my job, <laughs> but I'm stuck. And if you're stuck, stop. <laughs> nice. No, yeah. Get out now. Um, but so I did. And I was like, I, I, way back when I'd always had this like idea, like I want to try doing hair. Nice. And it was kind of a random thing that a friend of mine was, um, she was, one of the homeschool girls, I don't remember, Soretta Esh. Yeah, absolutely. She was going yeah. to beauty school, and so she practiced on my hair, and she's telling me how great it was, and I was like, I want to do this, and it just never panned out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to look into it, and I think God put a lot of things financially together using sure. a 401k I forgot about with Les Schwab that I kind of <laughs> Seriously did. forgot I, about? I, well, I knew it was there, <laughs> but I was like, I didn't really know how much was in it, and sure. I was like, and they they have their own banks. You can't get it at a certain time. Sure. And I was like, ah. And uh, panned out that that paid for all of my schooling plus. 
Nice. Um, after I transferred it over to Edward Jones or whatever. And I uh, went to beauty school in uh, 2018. Okay. And started doing all that. And uh, about less than a year later, I graduated, started working for the salon I'd been kind of courting. And they'd been kind of courting me. It used to be called Susie and Susie. Mm-hmm. Now it's Craft Society. Cal- right? Yep. Now yep. it's Craft Society Salon. Liberty Barkley owns it. She's awesome. Great, great group of ladies. Taught me so much. And um, went to barbering school about six months later down in Billings just to get my added degree on that. And um, came back, kind of hit the ground running. And uh, just the beginning of this year, made this sad farewell to them mm-hmm. to come up here to Whitefish Barbershop and be around other barbers and yeah. expand my horizons <laughs> and my knowledge. And it's it's awesome. That's it's cool. the best thing ever. You mentioned something that I want to highlight because if you, for those of you watching, the point of this podcast is to incorporate how relationships impact everything that we do. Yeah. And you, you made a point that I thought was great as you said when you're deciding whether you're gonna kinda end up in a in a PR type role, you can answer the phone and you can take care of people. <laughs> right. Those are the things that you just mentioned. Yep. And as you, as I listen to you describe your work history, basically all of those things include some level of customer service, right? Like, like everything yep. within what we do. And then I think that and correct me if I'm wrong. But it would seem like that then actually mac or basically increases as you get into uh, the barber world. Oh, hundred percent. Where you're more responsible for your own paycheck. Like previously, you kind of mm-hmm. have somebody's going to pay you. You're going to get a paycheck, even yep. if it's six fifty an hour, right? Like back yep. in the good old days, <laughs> it was still a paycheck. Yeah. Um, so, kind of, why don't you explain a little bit about that? How you leverage relationships? Because I believe that who you cut hair and how many people you cut hair for directly impacts your income. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you don't get paid if you're not cutting hair. Right. Um, when I did first get out of beauty school, um, Liberty at craft society, she paid me a, a, a wage. And so, um, I knew for a fact I was getting a paycheck, mm-hmm. but then I got to keep my tips commission after a certain point, or if you sold product. So that kind of gave some incentive. Um, but again, there was kind of a, a ceiling you kind of hit sure. and then you kind of make move to the next thing. And then I went independent. And after you go independent, it's all on you. Exactly. So if you show up to work and you've got 15 haircuts or whatever it is, and you're like, yeah, it's a great day. And then the following day, there's three. You're like, hmm, I'm going to live on a bridge someday. <laughs> Top you know? ramen, yeah. baby. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and um, so it does it does matter. But the trick with it is, and this is the hard thing that I've noticed with um, this profession, probably multiple other ones, mm-hmm. is that you can end up BSing your way through things. Sure. And people eventually find that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what's that smell? And then they eventually find out what the smell oh, is like, yeah. oh, you're a fake. You're only my friend. You're only texting me because you want me to give you money for a haircut or fill in blank. And it's like, no, I, I mean, sometimes I will. I'll go back through my books. I'm like, I haven't seen somebody in like two or three months. I'll be like, do you need a haircut? <laughs> and they're like, I do. And I'm like, get in here. And then most of my guys appreciate that because men are mostly oh, terrible yeah. about scheduling. Yeah. But also life is busy and you don't realize it and beanie season goes away and you need to pop that beanie off and all this. So it's, it's a cool mix, but you, you end up creating these micro mini, like I don't hang out. I don't, I don't hang out with yeah. 99.9 of my clientele, but I know a lot about their lives. Mm-hmm. I, I know who are going on vacation or when they went on vacation, like all this stuff or how their marriages are doing. And weirdly enough, sitting in the barber chair is almost like some sort of confessional booth for people. Yeah. It's like a form of, and, uh, and I hear things. It's, it's, it's awesome. And I joke, I'm like, I hear things. I'm like, I don't know if you should actually <laughs> tell me that, but thanks, but thanks, <laughs> I think. And so, but in that caring for people, taking for taking care of people, you chameleon a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't get very political. So I've had people that are very far left and I've had people following that person very far right. And, and you end up having to do this like balance, like, all right, mm-hmm. I know where I stand on some things, whatever the issue may be. I always joke that you could post on Facebook and be like, I love crunchy peanut butter. And somebody would be mad at you for not liking creamy peanut butter. Just, Seriously. You know, so there's, yeah. We're in that kind of time. Divisive. Yeah. So you have the, I love crunchy, I have creamy. And I'm just like. I, I like peanut like butter. Peanut butter, you know. <laughs> and, you, and, and sometimes you, but you have to walk that out without being fake. Yeah. And so it's, it's a cool thing. It's a, sometimes it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get to the end of my week and I'll tell my wife, I'm like, I don't mean this in any bad way, but I don't have any more words. Yeah, like, like I, I, you know, or she's like, "Hey, do you want to go hang out and like go on a double date or something?" Mm-hmm. You're like, "Actually, or, or actually, say, no, I, like I want I do. to because you want to, right?" But you're going to do a lot of the driving. Yeah, when it comes like the you conversation, know, yeah, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and 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 most of the time it pans out good. But it's yep. it's but it's such a cool thing. I love it so much because 
I learned <clears throat> so much about every yeah. type of profession and stuff. Well, I personally think it fits you. That's kind of the intrigue of having you here is I've always known you to be an extrovert. And, and so it kind of makes sense that your part of your job is to sit with people and yes, you're taking care of them physically, mm. but I do think there's a portion of what you do that takes care of people mentally, emotionally, and spiritually even too. I think so. You kind of were getting at that. And that I comes all the way to. back to the title of the episode, which is a barber with a purpose, right? <laughs> like we yeah. talked about paycheck and yeah, it matters that people sit in your chair so you can bring food home for the family. But it does go beyond that too. Mm-hmm. And I see that in the mortgage business as well mm-hmm. is there's very much a caring aspect and a service aspect to people because they're people, yep. not because they're writing your paycheck. Yeah. And so I think that's, would you, you relate to If you to go that? with that one where are just like, oh, you're just, you're just a walking, breathing dollar sign to me. Yeah. And you, you see the, the used car salesman, no offense, used cars, but that like approach where it's like, <laughs> you can offend used car salesman. <laughs> just saying, <I'm> <laughs> you matter, you matter. <laughs> Come get a haircut. You need a haircut. Yes, and then you need a haircut and a mortgage. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you 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 start like I want to take care of this person, and I've had people. I mean, I'm I used to be religious, but now I'm spiritual. If that doesn't sound too cliche, I got rid of a lot of that. Like, well, here's the and it's just Mm -hmm. like people are meant to be cared. I think that's what God does. Mm -hmm. He just cares for you where you're at. And I've met a lot of people that are like, like I've had people that are like, I'm about to check myself into rehab. And I figured I should get a haircut because I'm not going to be out for a while. Wow. And you're just sitting there and you're like, and and sometimes you hear, or, or I just found out my spouse is mm-hmm. cheating on me. Mm-hmm. And and they just tell you because they need to tell someone. Yeah. And they're not going to see you for months, you know? And I used to, when I used to cut women's hair, they, they tell you stuff. And you're like, oh my, oh my gosh. But women get haircuts very differently than men do. Sure. And so I'll just be like, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a therapist. I don't know how to fix this. I'm not going to fix this in the 30 to 45 minutes I've got mm-hmm. you. But like, what can I do to help but you? You'll listen. Some, sometimes it's just that listening. Yeah. Here. Sometimes it's just helping. Sometimes like I'm having a baby and I want to get a haircut before me. you get to celebrate with them. You get to like help them when they're low. And I've, I've come to this new, um, habit in our mornings at home where I pray over my family. I've got an alarm clock that goes off every morning at 7.30 on my phone. We'll be in the middle of making eggs and putting sun- sandwiches in bags. And my alarm will go off, and now my son just goes, prayer time. Like, nice. he just, he cues up and knows it. And um, a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, he's like, you need to not just pray for your family, pray over your family. So yeah. I've been praying over my family. And one of the prayers that I pray for them is just that God would go before their day and prepare the way all that stuff. And then my prayer for me has gone from, I used to pray, God, fill my books with clients today. Mm. And then I'd get, you know, maybe I'd get to a day and it's only half full. And I'd be like, oh, why didn't you listen to my prayer, God? Right. And then now my prayer is, give me the clients I'm supposed to have today. Mm. If I'm only supposed to have six, that's not a very great day. But maybe I'm only supposed to have those six and I'm supposed to give them more time and attention to them. If you want me to have 15 to 20, yay, that's a good money-wise. Sure. But I'm not going to have a lot of time to really, like, be a part. It's just going to be, we're going to get done. Hey, high five. Thanks for coming in. Next. And those are great days. Those are fun days. We've had a couple of those recently. But sometimes some of the best days I've walked out of the out of the shop or the salon has been where I'm like, I've had few fewer clients and had more time to actually like impart kindness and care on them. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. I love it. I mean, this seriously, this gets back to what I think makes you really good at what you do. Because I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but um, you cut my hair for a little while. I did. And, and and somebody who stole who until stole that, m- my wife uh, <laughs> replaced you. Um, and I, I tell this to people all She's the time. She's far prettier than I am. <laughs> well, well, I tell this, like, and this kind of loosely relates because uh, it's a little strange, but it's pertinent. I tell my wife <laughs> that a haircut from her checks literally all of the love language boxes. And if you think about it, like, yeah. just consider this for a moment. Yeah. There's some physical touch. Yep. There's quality time. Yep. It's an act of service. Yep. There's sort of a gift, not really. Well, she's um, giving you her time. She yeah, could be doing other things. It she's, could be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's words of affirmation like, man, that looks great. Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, it checks all those boxes. And so it's really special to have your spouse cut your hair. But where I'm going with this is you get to be in a way that for other mm-hmm. people. And it, it's not a marriage relationship, but nonetheless, yeah. it's a people relationship. Oh, yeah. And you're doing those things for those people. And I there think that's a, why yeah. people are willing to open up. They're like, man, this is. There's a there's a, a portion of intimacy almost just mm-hmm. on a human to human relationship that comes out in in what you do. There was a study you talk about physical touch. Yeah, 
And when we when I first started going to school, the instructor was like, "You're the one. We're one of the only professions, few professions that have a. He's like, we call it a license to touch." Yeah, he said you wouldn't walk into a bank and expect the bank teller to start like touching you. Shoulder rub, baby. Shoulder rub with your mortgage. What if the bank teller just reaches over and just starts touching your hair? You're like, (laughs) makes me uncomfortable. But the rule with barbering and cosmetology is, within five seconds, with less than five seconds of their butt touching your chair, you're supposed to touch them. Mm -hmm. They expect you to touch them. Mm. If you don't touch them for a while, it's like. What is going on? So literally, people sit down. And your hands are on their shoulder. You're running your hands through their hair. What are we doing for you, man? How's it going? You know, miss mm-hmm. whatever, whoever did. And it was really weird to cross that boundary because mm-hmm. you're like, nope, you don't just randomly touch people. <laughs> I said, no, no. <laughs> and they're like, no, you you're actually supposed to like get it, like touch. And and then there was a another study it was like most guys, aside from their spouse's significant other. Or maybe they're at home and mom still gives them a hug. <laughs> sure. They are not touched by another person other like just a handful of times yeah. a week. Handshakes aside. And so when they go to a barber mm-hmm. and the barber is like, and you know, the typical barber ends with like that vibrating hand massage thing or whatever. I, for a while, I, I just do a hot towel head massage. Yeah. And um, we hold a lot of our stress in our scalps mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that takes place and you're just like kind of, and I've had guys that have like gotten out. I had one guy literally cry, almost cry. Wow. And I was like, what did I do wrong? And he was like, that was by far the single most awesome thing that's happened to me this week. And it's just a 30 second head massage. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just a nice thing you do. And you like helps get the hair off you and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was kind of like, meh, like what was the deal? But for him, he hadn't received that mm-hmm gift and it really made an impact on me because i was like whoa i don't realize sometimes the monotony of i mean and whoever's listening you have an impact in what you're doing every day and and it might just be a job worth filing things away and then you go back and do this and you go file more and it might be something that just feels very robotic and but there i guarantee you there's somebody that that's impacting that you have a moment where like if you were to quit your job or leave and again, if you're stuck in a bad situation and, and it's not healthy for you, then move on. But I guarantee there could be somebody who's just like, man, them being in the office or not being in the office anymore really changed the attitude of things. And it's like you don't realize the small things yeah. that you could potentially do for others that don't require that much time mm-hmm. or any money. It's just simple yeah. acts of service. Yeah. Maggie and I are heavily involved in our church, and we have a small group that meets at our house every Tuesday nights. And it's intentionally designed for parents with young kids. Awesome. And I think it's an area that uh, in our modern culture, we struggle to support in understanding that life is messy. And that's mm-hmm. okay that life's messy because that's the mm-hmm. stage of life we're in. So that's the the goal. But what reminded me of this is last, uh, today's Wednesday, that we're recording this. So we had small group yesterday. Nice. And uh, there's a gentleman in, our, in my group that's really struggling with work. And mm. he's, he's dealing with pressures uh, from management, and he feels like he's spending too much time compared to what he agreed to spend, et cetera. Yeah. Right? And last night he said, you know what? I had somebody tell me the other day that I might be the only exposure that my coworkers get to what a Christian should look like. Yeah. And uh, that's all he said. And a couple of minutes go by, and uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody just pops up and goes, you know what? I'm really glad you said that. Hmm. That was encouraging to me. I'm starting a new job next week, and yeah. I'm kind of not looking forward to what the change is going to look like. Yeah. But now I have the right perspective for that job. Yeah. His little comment, and this is exactly what you're saying, his little comment was just a comment, but yeah. it had this crazy impact on this yep. other person. Yep. And that's what you're talking about with people that are doing things and what you do in your daily work and what I do in mine. We are people that are designed to help each other in little ways and big ways. And we don't always know what those are going to look like every day. So I love that prayer that you do of your family. That's the right way to approach the day. And at first it was so scary. Yeah, because it it turns over control. Okay, guys, we're going to (laughs) pray. And they were like, everybody's eating eggs and toast and whatever. And my son's, you know, squirreling around. I'm like, everybody sit still. Or keep eating because we have to get out of here. So, But keep eating. And I pray. And I was like, everyone's going to laugh at me. I was like afraid that my eight-year-old is going to laugh at me. And then my wife seemed like, what are you doing? And uh, I did that like a couple days in a row. And she got up one time as I was, I was leaving. And she just gave me a hug. She goes, that means a lot to mm. me. 
and and that's that's just that's just how we do things. It's, and it's not I like we've been it. doing it for years. It's just it's a recent development that I'm I'm falling in love with more and more every day. Yeah, you're seeing the benefit from it. Yeah. But I mean, I had one client. She works at. Um, a gas station. She's just a gas station clerk and she, you know, just a gas station. We're not, not that big of a, she's like, mostly what I do is deal with angry people or <laughs> make sure that the sodas are stocked and stuff like that. She's like, it's super like not very glorifying. And we talked about that kind of the exact same thing. I'm like, right, but you might be the only, I, I, I don't believe, I don't know where she was at like spiritually or whatever. But I was like, you might be the only smile somebody gets. To. Sure. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, I never thought about that. I'm like, you, you get that grumpy trucker. That's Give me my, you know, whatever. And, you know, I'm just being like, I hope you have a good day. You know, that smile. And she, she and I laughed. She's like, yeah, because sometimes that changes it. You never know. Yeah. And just the, the small things. hundred percent. I love so, it. And just like what you said, you might be the only physical touch mm-hmm. that that person gets that week. Yeah. So that does remind me of a question though. You, okay. you, we've, we've kicked around and I think that everyone watching already understands this, but I do like to give the people I interview an opportunity to kind of pitch uh, themselves, uh-huh. right? There is, there are differentiators between people that do things. That's why there's more than just one barber in the in the valley. Mm-hmm. And there's just more than just one mortgage broker, right? Yep. We all have our own flavor. Yep. Um, I hope that people are hearing that the purpose component adds significant value to who you are. Mm-hmm. But why should people come get a haircut from you? I mean, the reality is, you shouldn't. You shouldn't need to get a haircut from me. Um, I've never wanted to sell myself. Mm-hmm. I want you to come to get a haircut from me because, A, you like the quality of my service. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want you to be like, I really hate Nate's haircuts, but I'm, I'm expected to go to him because <laughs> we're friends. I've had people be like, I want to come get a haircut from you, but I've been going to the same person. I'm like, do you like who cuts your hair? It's like, I do. I'm like, then go to him. Good for you. So the moment you start, I feel like I feel like in a lot of professions, I mean, there's the salesman tactic, and mm-hmm. yeah, you put out there and and I'm, I'm pro that, but the moment you have to start like feeling like you have to steal clients or you have to like really convince people to come in, it's like, that's where I used to be. And I started off and, and, and in the salon, it was, she really tried to avoid that. I was like, no, yeah. don't do that because then you've got clients that are there begrudgingly or whatever, especially if they feel like they have to, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, I, I, I always, I always love having new clients. Somebody texts me the other day, like, do you take new clients or whatever? I'm like, there's. I don't Heck know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would be in a very rare situation. Where I was like, I'm, I can't accept another client. Like my books are full for the next eight months, you know, like that would be cool, but also kind of sad. Yeah. And totally. so I, you know, yeah, like we're whitefish barbershop right there on Baker. Um, it's a really rad location. It's a rad spot. It looks like a 1930s old, you know, barbershop, old chairs and you know, the, the black and white tile. There's a self-serve bar. It's, it's pretty cool pool Sweet. table while you're waiting. But what I really like about, this spot is that it's just very casual. It's very like, yeah, come on in, have a seat, you know, make an appointment. If you want to walk in, we'll get to you when you can, you know, if the day, if the day can get to you, but it's, it's, um, that, like I said, that prayer, give me the clients I'm supposed to have, because ultimately I, I feel like if you live your life like this, you can only hold on so much yeah. and kind of giving yourself like this posture mm-hmm. is just like, all right, you know, I can hold more things this way and then things can fall out easier. Mm-hmm. And that's scary, especially when you got like a wife and kids and mortgage payments or, mm-hmm. or, you know, car payments or health issues or whatever. And you're just like, ah, and you know, but it, but it's freeing. And, um, I'm, I'm an OCD type A type person. So I want everything alphabetized, color coordinated, one, two, three. My wife loves it. Um, <laughs> she, that's she's always great. funny. Cause we're, we're like, whenever we go on a road trip, I just instantly make a list. Nice. Of all the things that I want to pack, she needs to pack, we know all the stuff. And then she'll, she'll like pick on me for it sometimes. Well, she's like, you know, I'm going to ask you for that list later. <laughs> I'm like, I know. And you know, we, we, we get along pretty good and she, she, with that. And she's, she's not disorganized, but letting go of that, mm-hmm. who I am and just be like, no, I mean, I, I want you to come get a haircut from me, yeah. but I don't want you to feel you have to. You know, I want you to choose. I would be like, yeah, I want to go, go get a haircut from Nate. Like That's he's, good. he's a cool guy, mm-hmm. but. Ultimately, he more importantly, he's good at what he does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and, and I can vouch for that. Just so you know, I did not <laughs> stop getting haircuts from Nathan because they weren't good. It was just, because I had that love language opportunity with my spouse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's good. I, I think that you're spot on. I think that uh, I relate that personally in in what I do. Mm-hmm. And the descriptor that I give it is you're playing the long game instead of the short game. Yeah. I think that you probably could go get a ton of clients by twisting people's arms, making yeah. them feel uncomfortable until they come and get a haircut from you. Yep. But they're going to be a one-time deal. 
yep. because they're not going to love it. They're but if you're doing, it, if, you, if you're building clients that love it, those are clients for life. Yeah. Those are friends possibly. And yeah, it just becomes a better way to, to do work and to do life in my opinion. I mean, I've been invited to, um, one of my favorite things are kids cuts. Kid, yeah. It's the best. Cause adults want to talk about like Drama. heavy things. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. <laughs> I just want to cut hair. And then like, a kid comes in and they're like, what's your favorite dinosaur? And I'm like, yes, let's talk about what really matters. You yes. know, ice cream flavors and stuff. And I've been invited to kids' birthday parties. Like kids have been like, do you want to come to my birthday next week? And I'm like, um, I have to check my schedule. And the dad's like, no, he asked it and he wanted you to come. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I've been invited to weddings. Wow. For clients, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I, those for me are cool wins because mm. nobody needs to do that. Yeah, that's it's not just part of like, like, well, yeah. he's my barber, I have to invite him. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and I've been at weddings, I'm yes. sitting there like, so how do you know? And I'm like, well, like Luke, you know, Luke, yeah, Heffernan, he got married and he invited me to the wedding, and we've known each other for a while, but my, our primary relationship has been I've been his barber for the past several years, and he invited me, and I'm like, that's cool, you know, we're sitting there, and, and I'm sitting there, like, how do you know, Luke? I'm like, I'm his barber. <laughs> And they all just started laughing. Like, he invited his barber. Like, no, we've known each other for years. But it just, <laughs> cool things like that happen. And that for me is like, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing something right if I've got clients that are asking that sort of stuff. You bet. You know, or, or when you run into them in the store and they're like, what's up? And then it's not just like, oh, hey, I, you know, you get that. Like, I know you have time. You come in here once. But you get people that are coming over and they want to, like, tell you stuff. Or yeah. I've had clients pop in and um, be like, oh, I got to show you this. My grandkid was born, and I'm like, "Do you have an appointment today?" No, I just wanted to show you. I thought you would think it was cool. That's cool. I'm like, sick. I, that, I do love that sort of stuff. That speaks to the impact that you're that's having the on these people's lives. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So I'm I'm really grateful that you mentioned the new approach you're taking to your family because I think it's kind of the springboard for what we're talking about now, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, I know you to be a very committed father as well, and I also know you to be somewhat of a poet. <laughs> In fact, I think I read a post maybe just yesterday about yep. one of your children. So you kind of you kind of uh, mix the two together, right? Yep. So yeah. I did want to ask you about that, though. Where does the drive? I think that as you relinquish control of your life, I'm a very Type A person too, and I struggle with things that are outside my control. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older, I'm recognizing the freedom of not worrying so much about it, right? <laughs> um, but the advantage that I'm noticing too is it, it provides more time for me to spend on the things that matter, which yeah. are my kids and my spouse and my family and the, the training up of the next generation. I think as you, as you pray that prayer, bring to me the things that I'm supposed to do today, it starts to be more of those things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so for you, how do you, where does that commitment to your kids, to your wife... Where does that stem from? And then we'll get into poetry after that. So I was married once before. Um, I, ironically, today on this date that we're recording, this would have been our 10th year anniversary. Crazy. So there's like weirdness in that. Yeah. Um, and we're, it was a hard time yeah. when that broke. But we're good now. Like if I've, if I've run into her multiple times and we, and that took a lot of prayer. That took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And my, I love analogies. I think that's part of the poetry is I like putting things to pictures. Yeah. And my analogy that I think that um, I was given was just like, we're, we're all carrying a metaphorical backpack through life. Sure. And we fill it with rocks. And some of those rocks need to be the weight of being a good dad, mm -hmm. the weight of being a responsible business person. And, you know, a, Obeying the law and paying your taxes. Those are all good rocks to have. But we, we throw in things like bitterness, mm. grudges, and um, just vanities that, that go in there. And then we're like walking around going, I'm so tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Why am I so tired? And I had a moment where it was like, do you, do you want to keep carrying all this extra weight for no reason while you hike up life's mountain? Mm. Or are you... I guess man enough, humble enough, whatever it needs to be to sure. sit down and analyze what you have in there and be like, okay, I need to get rid of this. This is weight that I just don't need. And it came to that point with my ex, just on my own, like, and, and if she ever hears this, like, I hope it means something, but it was like, we're not like buddies. We don't hang out. Sure. But I've, I it got to a point where I was like, if I saw her, if I was like, oh, if I see her, I'd and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. That that's, I mean, hurts happen. 
but can I let that go? And, and I really just felt that prick in my soul was just like, mm. are you tired of sweating for no reason? Like th- th- this is exhausting. And I let go of that. And that was this cool, like mini avalanche that like got me to help unload a lot of things. And I mean, you still have boundaries and safety. Sure, sure, sure. But carrying around, I mean, we all probably know that one person that's like, ah, there's my, there's that one guy that stole me 50 bucks. <laughs> and you're like, when, grandpa, when did he, what is he, well, 38 years ago, he didn't pay for lunch, you know? And you're just like, what? It baffles you. How are you still holding on to this? <laughs> and I just, I, God forbid I ever be that person. I want to be the person that never grows up. Yeah. I want to be Peter Pan in the sense of, I want to still have that childlike I just want to love people mm-hmm. and it's hard. I, I struggle. There's, there's certain relationship in my life that I, I do struggle with that. I'm yeah. like, I don't think I could give you a hug. If you walked in the room right now, you know, I would probably give you to a different barber if you booked an appointment with right. me right now. And those are some boundaries versus struggles, but all that ties into, it's like, I want my kids to have a memory of dad, a knowledge of dad, if you will, or tell my grandkids, great like if I'm going to leave a legacy, it's probably not going to be millions of dollars because <laughs> barbers don't do that. <laughs> but I would love it if my legacy was he was a man who was easy to easily, easily forgiving mm. and who just loved. And, and again, I struggle with that. Sometimes I struggle with it more than I think I should because it burdens me. And I'm like, but I want to love my wife properly. I want her to know that she is my angel and she is, she's my darling. She is my bestest friend and I don't deserve her at all. And she's a smoking hot babe. And I just like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then I've got my son who's my stepson, but I love him. He is like, he and I just, we bonded so fast. Yeah. And now I got my beautiful baby girl and she's a year plus now. And she had, Everything she went through last year. Oh my goodness. She was diagnosed with a heart condition at week 20 of the pregnancy. We had to have a full, we had to relocate everything to Salt Lake City. We had to go through um, a very traumatic birth. Mm-hmm. And then instantly, within 30 seconds of her being born, she was gone. We didn't even get to see her very much. I got mm-hmm. to cut an umbilical cord and she was gone. And um, they kept her in a, basically a coma. Mm-hmm. And then five days later, they did a full open heart surgery. They um, put her on double bypass. Heart and lungs were being operated by a machine while they worked on her heart, which is no bigger than your thumb. And we got to just sit in a hospital waiting room for, they said, six hours, turned into almost nine. And luckily it was because the surgeon was a bit of an OCD guy himself. I was like, I just wanted to make sure it was all good. I'm like, bro, you take all the time you need. Hallelujah. Don't slam your fingers in the door tomorrow night you know, <laughs> on the way home and, and, and uh, keep those puppies good. But it was one of the most trying things that, I'm so glad we went through. I never want to do it again. No. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, just give it to me. I'll have the surgery. But all that leads to, it's like when you're asking like, where does that drive come? I was like, I just want, I just want my family to know I love them. And that whether I'm cutting hair or whether I'm busting tires, whether I'm a red cash register at a at super one, whether I'm, you know, whatever I could be doing that, mm-hmm. like, that's not my goal. My goal isn't just to money. It's to, I want to use that to, love them, take care of them, be generous and yeah, teach them how to forgive and to not walk through life like I did for so many years with literally concrete in a backpack, in backpack. and just mm-hmm. exhausted all the time from it. So there's the long answer to your small question. No, that <laughs> you have been a personal inspiration to me, though we haven't spent hours together. We get minutes here and there, but you have an excellent presence online, which in today's day and age, does matter. And believe it or not, it, it is a, it is in a way an outpouring of a personality, right? Um, and some of the things that you do and the, and, the, and the behaviors with which you approach the world have always been encouraging to me. I appreciate it. And it's because of what you just said. Like, it's not about, and, and I, I hope this is encouraging, it's not about cash or, or money, mm-hmm. or it's about loving people. And you focus first on the family, the people that are closest to you, but I know you to focus beyond that as well. And so I hope that uh, that's, you know, I, I seriously, I, I'm kind of getting all chilled up over here, but I do, I do want to emulate that. No, it's a, it's a, um, it's an excellent way to live life and it is directly related to you being a barber with a purpose. So yeah. I love it. Uh, before we close, Let's hit poetry because I got to know 
what in you like said you like analogies but you've written some crazy stuff i'm going to put a link in the description to uh nathan's um film that's called my story and it actually is it's a great kind of description in a shorter version of what you've talked about today actually a lot lot of the things you've hit Mm -hmm. on i just watched it again last night it's great but it includes a lot of poetry and a lot of rhyme and a lot of good stuff (laughs) so does that just come to you how long do you how long does it take for you to put together like a poem um, so I, I hate these sort of answers, but it's the truth. It's not me. Okay. And I mean, there's that. nothing I mean, wrong with that. Yeah. There's some things that I have, like I wrote a piece last night that, or yesterday that just kind of, well, it kind of came to me. I took this super adorable picture of my baby girl. She's just covered in water. She's, she's 13 months old and she's this, we always joke. She's just as wobbly on the trampoline as she is on the ground. <laughs> so we might as well put her on the trampoline and she loves it. And she's most of the time falling and big brother's up there and we're like, he, he kind of gets me because I can't bounce with her up here. I'm like, play with her, but we'll get up there and we put the sprinkler on. It's so much fun. Well, she's crawling around and we get her off just to give her a little stability for a minute. She comes running up to me because I had the ball she wanted to play with. And she's like, and I got this last, just like I pulled my phone out, took a picture and she looks like this little Viking warrior. I gave her a side shave because I I wanted to so bad. And Aaron, Aaron was just like, Really? And I'm like, and she's like, wait till she's at least a year. And I'm like, okay, fine. But she was born with a huge head of hair and it never went away. And, and so I was like, it's going to happen. And she, she looks awesome. So, but I was just like, I wanted, I want to write. It's so originally the poetry was never anything I was, I mean, roses are red, violets are blue. Sure, 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 sure. But, um, there was two instances where like the one that you're going to put the link to that Mm -hmm. originally happened where I, was asked by a pastor of mine. He said, Hey, you need to write down your story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to write. I don't diary. I'm not that I, I've tried to do that, but I'm not, that's not my thing. Sure. And he's like, well, you should try to figure it out because you should do it. He's like, you know, ask God, whatever, but just, you should write it out. That'd be cool. And I was like, yeah, whatever. So I left the breakfast spot that we were having. I had about a 10 minute drive to where I needed to be. And I've never never really written poetry before sure. and i pulled my phone out and i i just started talking into my mm-hmm. memo whatever app on on and usually when you say things you know they comes out all skewed and weird and you're like i didn't say that at all like and every time i try to say comma it tries to spell it like i'm like and then you know it says karma <laughs> i gotta say karma <laughs> but for almost 10 minutes i just talked to my phone and these words just came flowing out mm-hmm. and it was just like my story and by the time I got home or back to my spot and I had to, I was waiting in the car for the person I was getting. And I just was like, well, you know, kind of tweak it a little bit and it just came out. And it was like, almost like, almost like um, turning on a faucet that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. And so I've had multiple times. There's one I wrote, um, it's called ping ping. And it's this story of, um, it's, it's the, almost like a visual of like the Easter, like cross being at, at the foot of the cross and seeing a crucifixion happen and then like the resurrection kind of like, and the idea is using that noise of ping, ping from the pins transitioning through being a negative, like, Oh no. Like the disciples just being like, what just happened? This mm-hmm. is not the plan. And then by the end of the, by the end of the piece, that ping, ping was echoing through the halls of eternity as a victorious thing. Yeah. And literally, um, same pastor was like, Hey, for Easter, would you ever want to write like something that we could do for church? And I was like, Nope, not doing that. And I'm laying in bed and I, I get up, I come down, I came downstairs. I'm just sitting on the couch and I was like, for whatever reason, I couldn't get this idea out of my brain. I'm like, well, like, how would I, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think I like, I feel like I audibly heard a ping ping and it sounds like a railroad spike. Yeah. And I'm like, what was that? And then I heard it again. I was like, Oh, and then again, just this almost like verbal vomit, just like onto this, onto my phone. And so ever since then, it's just been kind of a thing where I, through the divorce, through a lot of heartache and pain, a lot of my diarying sure. came through that form. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a leather bound book that I've put them all in by hand. I've probably got about 60 of them and I'm probably going to try to publish it. I don't know who will buy it or read it, but it's, it would just be literally like a hodgepodge of different things. But, um, it's been one of the coolest things that, yeah. because, and, and it's been such a speak of love languages. Like, yeah. I write my wife a poem or whatever, something for Mother's Day or something for her birthday or whatever. And oh man, she eats it up. She's like, yeah. Like, that's the best. And, but it's a cool thing. It's like, it's a way that I've been able to 
unburden some pressures mm-hmm. I've had on my spirit by doing that. And then, yeah, and then you know, I get this awesome picture of my daughter and mm-hmm. I'm like, there's my little Viking daughter, princess warrior who's going to kick ass and take names. And I'll start writing something or I'll like middle of a haircut. I'm like, I need my phone right now. <laughs> and I've actually, I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed of this. I've actually stopped haircuts with people that I know pretty well. Sure, I'm like, dude, sure. I'm in the middle of writing something. Hold on one second. And they're like, cool. And I'm like, hold on. I'm like typing in my phone. It's just like two paragraphs. I swear to God. And then like the one guy's like, what are you writing about? I'm like, you'll read about, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things Mm -hmm. I didn't, um, I didn't know I could do. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it comes from maybe being open to it. Sure. But then also if we, I used, I lived my life in a very rigid box for a long time. Sure. And if all you know is the four walls of a box, you think that's what the world is. And then eventually mm-hmm. those walls came down. And of course there's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And when you allow that exploration to happen spiritually, yeah. there's so many things inside of you that you're like, I didn't know I could do that. People that never did public speaking all of a sudden can do public speaking really well because they've opened themselves up exactly. to that. And so for me, there's scary things out there. I always tell my son, I'm like, there's scary things out there that are worth doing because they're scary. Yeah. Not dangerous, not foolish. But they are scary. Yeah. And sometimes that's where I'm at in life. I'm like, well, I didn't think I'd be a barber. But here I am. Here I am. I didn't think I'd be remarried and have a beautiful baby girl. And here we are. Like, yeah. just, you know, like my, and my son is my, my bonus. Like, I'm just like, this is the, and you're just like, I can't believe this happened. And then, yeah. then when you do see the storm clouds on the horizon, or you're walking through a valley that you're like, this might suck. You have that perspective of like, okay, but we've been, through some other ones and we came out pretty all right. Yeah. You know, so no, it's great. I hear, I hear you're describing your poetry almost like, uh, to go super biblical here for you, like David in his book of Psalms, it sounds like an expression of emotion that mm-hmm. just comes through in, in this particular form. Mm-hmm. And if you read the Psalms, there are some intense psalms from David where oh, he yeah. is just like he is not <laughs> sparing how he feels no. at all. They're no. very raw. And interestingly enough, especially hearing now that you have a book of them, <laughs> which is great. I'm excited to read it and I will buy it. Um, it sounds like $3. that's just a way. <laughs> three? <laughs> I'd, I'd spend a lot more than that. So, <laughs> um, no, it sounds like an honest expression of how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And there, and there, sometimes it's within your control and sometimes it's not. And mm-hmm. that is a beautiful thing, in well, my opinion. One of the things I love about the book of Psalms yeah. is that there's no point in the book of Psalms where God's like, shame on you for saying that. Right. Because there's some times where David's like, thank you, Lord, you're so awesome. Also, if you wouldn't mind killing all of my enemies and their families and, and, their remove, kids. and removing them from the face of the earth, and then he caps off with, also, I love you. Like, you're just like... What? What? You can't. <laughs> you can't say that. That's not Christian. And there's no point where it's like, and then the Lord smote David with you know head lice for three months. What was you know, David called? Like, he was a man after God's heart. Exactly. And one thing that I've also hit was like, God knows your heart uh-huh. better than you know your heart. So you're yeah. like, I'm really mad about this. And God's like, no, you're pissed. <laughs> like, be Sorry. honest. Sorry. Be honest with yourself. Dude, shoot. And you're like, I'm I'm so displeased at the moment. God's like, no, you're livid with rage. <laughs> And it's so, unrighteous so anger. So when we go to God, and one of the, my biggest irritations when I hear when I hear people pray, and I know there's you know courtesies and stuff like that. Sure, sure. But I I heard a guy pray one time, and he was mad. We were at a job site, and he was mad because this project was falling through. It was when I did granite, and a good guy, a good Christian guy that I respected, and I still do. And he prayed a prayer that was quite literally R-rated, <laughs> and he was kicking the ground. He chucked his hands. And he just like, and it, and it came out and I'm like, you kiss your kids with that mouth? Like, holy smokes. And he gets done. He goes, thank you, father, for knowing exactly how I feel Mm. and being able to take it. And I was like, no kidding. And it was, and and again, it was in a very specific location and time. You wouldn't do that at like your Bible study with family (laughs) and kids around. It's open in prayer. Yeah. But. Covering kids' ears, but but it, for me it was like, why am I why am I lying to myself yeah. if if I'm if I'm truly wanting to be? And so it's like well, my prayer is when I want to be a good dad, but my prayer is way more intense than that. I don't mm. want to just be a good dad. 
I want to be a loving, caring, and like, and just throw in all these things. And, and, and God's like, I know that, you know, mm-hmm. or like, I'm really sorry I messed up. No, you didn't mess up. You screwed up royally. And you're like, let's own it. Let's go mm-hmm. to it. Or, if, you know, and so in that, the poetry aspect is sometimes where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to let loose a little bit. And there's some that I'm like, oh, I don't know if you want your kid to read that, but that's where I was in the moment. It's super dark. And I wrote a piece actually, Clint and I, the, the link you're going to send, we made another one. It's called, um, um, not alone in the dark. Mm. And, um, it's my, it's a, it's a, it's an analogy, analogy story of my struggle with suicide sure, and my multiple attempts when I was younger. And I, again, driving yeah. down the road, I was listening to this cool, dark, moody music my buddy had sent me because he's trying to write a Lord of the Rings type style yeah. book for his kids. He's like, what do you think about this for the scene? I'm listening. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's dark and heavy, but it's awesome. And it's like dark, deep violin and cello. And I got this cue. It was like, something's mm-hmm. chasing you in the dark. Write about it. And I wrote about it. And it was like, when I shared it with people, I was like, this actually scared me. It was very vulnerable. It was mm-hmm. like bringing that up. People like, I didn't know that about you. I'm like, mm-hmm. well... Why would you? It's not like I'm going to bring that up during a haircut. Sure. And so, but it was like, all right, if I can't be real with it and if I can't be real with you, what's the point? Yeah. You know? Well, it reminds me of what you said, coming back to barbering sort of, you mm-hmm. said people, people recognize fake mm-hmm. and we like to, we like to convince ourselves that they don't, but they do. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate where you're going with all this, which is just an honest expression of self, which for the purpose of relationships creates vulnerability mm-hmm. and what does vulnerability do? It builds trust mm-hmm. and, and then the relationship gets stronger and stronger and that trust it and vulnerability vulnerability and trust. Correct. You can't avoid it. No. Yeah. It happens when you're around somebody who's vulnerable Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, you know, you meet someone who's like, Oh yeah, I went through rehab rehab once. And you're like, for what? I'm like, Oh, I did cocaine and heroin, all sorts of stuff. And you're just like, you did not, you can't, what? And they, yeah. and they just talk about it and they're like, but I'm over and I got through it. And, they, and then you're just like, whoa. And then like, what about you? And you're like, well, shoot. I mean, I, and then you just go for it. You go for it. Yeah. And then, and then you walk out of that weirdly with like, I trust that person mm-hmm. more than ever. And, and again, parenting yep. family, like my wife and I, we try to keep everything 100% honest, even if it's not pleasant. Yeah. I'll be like, Hey babe, you don't want to hear this, but if I don't tell you, I'm lying. I did not like that meal. <laughs> There's better ways to say things, sure, of course. Sure, sure. Or we're no, going to go great. see like family or whatever. We're actually going to go on a trip this weekend. And I was like, I'm going to be honest. I don't really want to go on this trip. But I'm happy we're going to go as a family. Do also, I'm, I'm looking forward to the positives. But I'm, it's not my sure. what I want to do. And she was like, I appreciate you telling me when we're still going. But like, yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. it. And it's like, but That's you, part of life, though. You, yeah. you do that. And then... Yeah. Next thing you know, you've got this awesome, strong relationship with whomever it may be. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, we're going to close up there. <laughs> this is, uh, we could keep going because there's just so much good Heck stuff yeah. here. But um, everybody, I really hope you enjoy this content. And as you can tell, the episode was appropriately titled, Thank You, Nathan Sprunger, A Barber you, with a Purpose. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, hanging in. You bet.